another exciting episode of Beards, Brews, and Bros. I am your host, the Massa Man, with my co-host, Mr. Byron Moss. And without further delay, the man who is always the butt of the joke because he's only ass high, Mr. <laughs> You gonna finish the fucking line? (laughs) I did. I ain't hear the rest of it. God. I I guess you could say he's uh very good at ass kissing. And uh, Uh, (laughs) only females only, brother. Females only. He 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 assumed that he got most of the lines. (laughs) Yeah, I was making fun of me because I have a huge butt. That, you know, you know what? Don't blame me. You blame my mama for that one. That's genetics all day. Yeah, I, 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 well, the whole thing was, like I said, you're the butt of the joke because you literally are only ass hot. I, I hate all of you. I, I really hate all of you. Where's, hey, Rob in the house. What's up, y'all? What's good? Man, it's good to see all of y'all again. And I know it's great to hear from all of y'all. So let's talk a little bit about what we had going on. It's been a pretty exciting week for everybody. And, you know, just a little heads up, we've got a really big, exciting episode planned, guys. We're going to be going over our classic nerd news. Then we're going to be going over our Rushmore of wrestling figures. Um, And then later on, right, some of them I I know I'm probably going to get strung up for it. But and then obviously we're going to go into our five week gaming challenge. It's time to see what the results were and then also going to see what challenge awaits us all. And then, of course, later on, we're going to flash back and rewind into our favorite wrestling match of all time. Absolutely. We could be here for a long time just trying to oh, dissect yeah. matches for as much wrestling as, we, as we've watched over the years. But oh, that's yeah. going to be a very fun exercise. And just keep in mind, y'all, once again, our Mount Rushmore professional wrestling, there's no wrong answers here. All for banter, all good, all yucks. And... <laughs> You know, we we could do this all day, so it's gonna be fun. So don't worry I, about it. I know for a fact I'm gonna be called elitist for my four because you, you'll understand it when I say my four. But I guarantee you, a lot of people would think this person he's an elitist. He only likes this thing. So what? See, my thing is I picked my list on what I thought was people that give the biggest contribution to the business. Somebody oh, that yeah. transversed, you know, several genres of television, or somebody that really helps shape what wrestling we call today oh yeah i'm excited for that i'm really excited for that it's gonna be a gonna be a really fun exercise so where do you want to take off uh, mr mossman the soon-to-be wedded sir it's, i know we're and guys we're also finally now a week out from the week of the wedding which that'll be the final showdown unless i shut these fools down with today's results and see what's going to happen with the next week after that. There are so many things up in the air, we don't know what the hell is going to happen. It's The final week could be very intense. And what's going to be great about that is if we make it to the final week, we're gonna, on that episode, we'll be giving you uh, our special guest, Matt Whitworth. Shout out. Uh, he'll be there live in person watching go down. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, he'll be the good color commentator for the whole shebang. It's going to be epic beyond all proportions. Maybe if we can get him to, like, impersonate Jerry the King Lawler from when we were, like, little kids. Yeah. Or is that even appropriate? Or is that even PG? Nah. I, 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 well, I mean, by far, JR. we're not PG in the slightest. I, I want to see JR. I want to see JR. JR. JR King of all commentary. <clears throat> yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. That's some bitch. 
Well, if there's anybody, well, nobody can rage on a heel like Jr. can. I remember those times when Stone Cold would get beat up by Triple H, and he's all bloodied and stuff. Going to me, yeah, son of a bitch, you stole his dream. I'm like, wow. All right, all right guys, before before we get man, too far, let's, let's, but yeah, let, let's let's keep it on track because we're gonna get off the rails real quick. So let's roll. Let's get to this nerd news. All right, let's dive into the nerd news, guys. So. This week, I had a little special contribution. This is going to start a little bit of debate for me. I kind of went off on a tangent on K-Rob earlier. But my news is we got the next class for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Obviously, some people I'm really excited to see. You know, Raids Against the Machine is getting inducted. Nice. Uh, We're going to get to see. uh, Honestly, man, I am a little bit floored still by some of these choices. But Rage, I'm excited for. I definitely cannot wait to see, you know, Who's who's on the Obviously, list? Pat who's the balance here? That's that. So we have Duran Duran, we have Dolly Parton, we and I know I'm gonna butcher this, but they're Urethromics. We have Eurythmics. the New York Dolls. Yeah, I knew I was gonna butcher it. The and then we did Dion Warwick. Ah, okay. But the one I'm really excited about too as well, Judas Priest. We have Lionel Richie, a tribe oh, named yeah. Quest. We have Carly Simon, and then, of course, like I said earlier, Pat Benatar. But we also have Eminem, MC5, Fellow Cootie, and we have Kate Bush. Like, a lot of those aren't that bad. Like, Dolly Parton getting in finally? I mean, she's a, probably one of the best country artists to ever exist. Like, tell me I'm wrong. Uh, take the wheel, Jared, because – I already heard it, so Phil, I'm about to deliver the train. Let him know. Okay, here's the thing, Kyle. What is, or not Kyle. Here's the thing, Byron. What is the name of the Hall of Fame she's being inducted in? Oh, Rock and Roll. Okay, yeah. That, okay. That, that, that makes no sense. Okay, but here's the thing. So, obviously, who, what she's being nominated for is to be a musical influence. There is several different categories that you can be nominated for. One, performer, non-performer. You can be categorized into musical influence and then, you know, just achievements. So, like, for example, Les Paul. He was the guy that created 8-track recording and different things like that. So he is in the whole Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because of his contribution to music. Yeah. So I mean, I'm okay with that. But here's the thing, though. If you're going to induct somebody into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, especially if they're going in as an influence, which I could see she'd be, be an influence. But some of the ones they have on there are performers. And I don't see the purpose in that because, one, obviously they're not playing the root genre, which is rock and roll. If you're going to have a Hall of Fame of a bunch of people that are, you see, you have a musical you know, Hall of Fame, but wide variety of genres. Yeah, if you're going to have a wide variety of genres, you might as well be the Musicians Hall of Fame. Here's, like here's, here's here's my thing about uh why I could see Dolly Parton being a influence. She is I'm a very okay with Dolly Parton. So, 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 so just let me, let me, here's a breakdown of it. Dolly Parton is a very successful music, female musician. Because how successful she's been in this uh industry, it inspire I say it inspires a lot of females out there to you know um Take that leap and actually show that they can be successful in but, the music industry. But here, Byron, here's the other thing I, I say to that. So let's look at her discography. You know, Jolene, you look at Stand By Your Man. You, you Nine know, to five. I'll Always Love You. Nine to five. Stuff like that. It's not exactly the things you think of like rock. Like, you know, you think of the progenitors of rock. You think like blues or, mm-hmm. you know, certain jazz. 
but yeah, I, you know i'm okay with those things but what you know she's already a part of the grand Ole opry she's already a part of you know the country music hall of fame what is the purpose of putting her in the rock and roll hall of fame i mean like i said she's an influence but there's a lot of those people like i'll, I'll go back to the very beginning and once again it's kind of like rename the thing don't leave it the rock and roll hall of fame rename just have a, it. you know just have we already have like the, just like having a straight music hall of fame well, the thing is, you already have the Musicians Hall of Fame, which has been around since 1967. It's on Matt. It's on Nashville's Music Row, but rename it. Make it either like you know, either say it's an Artist Hall of Fame or say that is a the Musical Hall of Fame, something along those lines. I know mm-hmm. they're going to be like, well, it's not the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They've been around since '86, but you look at like their original class, Byron. Their first class was literally Buddy Holly, Chuck Berry, Elvis Presley, Fats Domino, James Brown, Jerry Reed Lewis. You had Little Richard. You had Ray Charles, Sam Cooke, and the Everly Brothers. And I mean, I like him. I like Eminem. But what what business does Eminem have in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I don't see him. I don't see why he would need to be there. I, I see him in like because he's actually going to induct as a he's, He's actually getting inducted as a performer. He's not on the influence platform. He's getting I, inducted as a performer. He's not a rock artist though. He's a, he's a rapper. Exactly. I, I don't but, understand. But we're also we're also in the early stages of voting. Like right now, the polls are open, folks. You can vote for your favorite. You know, obviously Duran Duran. There's a bunch of people on the card. Not all of them are going to be inducted. If, These if are you, just choices you can choose. If Judas Priest doesn't make it after being around for 50 years, like, well, you know, the whole thing is that they, the, one of the big qualifications they have is you have to have be at least 25 years in the music business to qualify. I mean, that, that's Priest, their, 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 that's their first like qualification. But then obviously you have to, they look at you like, okay, did you breach like a genre? Did you do anything that really helped that push, you know, the limits of the music? Did you do anything to contribute to the rock and roll? You know, did you do anything like that? Yeah, I mean, Judas Priest is definitely one that deserves to be in there. Like, they they have definitely influenced and have been a big part of the rock world for a long time. Would you – but here's the thing. Would you consider them rock or metal? Would you consider them hard rock or metal? Let me ask you that. uh, I would definitely say they're more metal than hard rock, but it's – the thing is, so, like, it's, that, it's, that, it, it's, that, it's that weird, weird thing of like metal and rock kind of get thrown in together. Okay, but still a separate genre, though. I mean, I'm happy with them if they're classified as hard rock, which I mean, they kind of are on that edge of that. But I, in my mind, I think of them as classic metal. It, it's a no brainer on that one. But, you know, I'll get back on this, the story here of it. The whole thing is you have this time to vote. I, I it's like, for me, you, you induct these artists that have nothing to do with it that you induct for performers. You know, like one of the people that are on there that's another one that's inducted as a musical influence, like a, tri- a tribe named Quest. I can't ever spit it out. And then, you know, like Duran Duran is in as a performer. I just don't see them quite as rock. It, some of the genres, and I mean, everybody is entitled to their own opinion. Huh? So, I mean, don't take mine as gold, but it's just... To me, rename it if you're going to have a multi-genre class, if you're going to have several encompassing genres in your Hall of Fame. I agree. I mean, honestly, you can't, you know, 
you can do, like I said, they have the Musicians Hall of Fame. Just do the Hall of Fame of music, you know? It feels like they're trying to blur the lines too much. Well, they are, and then I'm also kind of in the same thing. You know, like, I'm sure that I was talking to Kyle earlier, and he was talking about it. He's like, well, there's not a hip-hop Hall of Fame. I'm like, well, you know what? It's like you could do those things. You know, there are obviously people like, you know, Run DMC is in the Musicians Hall of Fame out mm-hmm. of Nashville, and there's there's so many – different artists that it branches over like you know you have like muddy waters that's in there you know influences of that you know people that are just appreciated for their musicianship it's not like they're being praised for contributing to one genre no i got you i mean not making it like i'm being a purist of it but it's just in a day and time where you're already labeling things so deeply why not label something else just to be fair though like you when it comes to music because you're so passionate about it and so into it like you do have a, a bit of a purist element to you correct me if I'm well wrong, i right? do because if i'm well i do absolutely because in, in my mind i'm thinking to myself okay this is the rock genre you know i'm thinking like <laughs> they're ones out the gate i think of aerosmith's in there you have like stevie ray vaughn that's like bluesy texas swing rock yeah you know and it can be taken away texas swing blues and things like that but it's still rock rooted you got guys like you know queen that are in there you've got you know black sabbath you've got all these other black sabbath's borderline hard rock metal well here's the thing though they were kind of the well if you want to be technical, Chuck Berry was technically the progenitor of rock. He was the one that kind of started getting that riff writing. But yeah. then, like, you take, for example, the guitar playing in Black Sabbath, it is straight riffy rock. I think that inspired a lot of people to begin to write more detailed things. And then, of course, you got to think like jazz musicians, a lot of guitarists ripped from jazz, and they did also pull from country. You look at John Five from Rob Zombie or Marilyn Manson. He uses barrel rolls in his guitar playing. Like, you know, like he's doing banjo rolls, not barrel rolls. I'm sorry, folks. Yeah, he does banjo rolls. Our music expert, folks, our music expert. Yeah, I'm I'm stumbling over my words. Just forgive me. Doing the regular nine to five and trying to get should, my head space ready. So so should we bring Matt in as a music expert for here as our permanent music expert then? <laughs> that dude is like the expert, the certified expert of metal. Uh, I can't wait uh, I'm no expert. Oh, dude, I can't wait to have him on. It, it's going to be so much fun and everything else, and I, I really can't wait for it. But that is really my nerd news. So, Byron, why don't you tell me a little bit, what do you have on our plate for us? Well, I don't have any nerd news. This is, for me this week, I'm giving more of a, a review of the new, uh, new Star Wars show that came out not too long ago, uh, The Book of Boba Fett. Okay. For, again, I say it's been out for a while. There's uh, six episodes deep. I binge watched them over the uh, last couple of days, and I just kind of get my opinion on it. And I would say St- Disney's finally doing Star Wars right. Like, no joke. It's it's very well done. It gives you a lot of depth into some uh, elements of the stuff you wouldn't really get. Like, uh. Kind of spoilers here, so folks, if uh, you don't really want to hear spoilers or whatnot, I recommend fast-forwarding this part because I'm going to be spilling some stuff about uh, the Book of Boba Fett. So I'll give you a second here. Again, this is a spoiler warning. There are spoilers for Book of Boba Fett. Uh, but I, again, I highly recommend it because, like, 
if you think back to the original uh, trilogy in episode four, the Tusken Raiders always see them as kind of a mindless wandering tribe. When you realize that there's so much more, like Book of the Fed gives them so much more depth into what they are. If they're more than just mindless savages, like they're like, they're very proud people. And like, when you come think about like, all these people have been exploring Tatooine for years, but these people are just trying to survive and protect what they feel is theirs. And like, there's so much more depth to their culture. So it's, it's very fascinating to see that portrayed in the book of, book of Boba Fett, as well as giving uh, more detail into Boba Fett as a character, how he's developed from this straight up bounty hunter to this person who's kind of got a code. And he's like, I'm tired of being the person sent paid to die i want to i want to live comfortably but do it on my terms now instead of being like i go to the highest bidder Mm, that's fair enough i mean you know finally get to see a little more depth to the bounty hunter versus how we had him in the original films he was just kind of the stand around guy Mm -hmm. and uh, like as well as that like if uh even the books or whatnot like he he's a little more fleshed out in the in the uh some of the older books but like it's it's really interesting to see how this character is developed, like as they just portray him now. As well as that, like it's really cool to see, uh, because a lot of us, if you've uh, watched Book of Boba Fett, you've probably watched The Mandalorian, and it's really cool to see that they're crossing it over. And we're actually the last two episodes have focused a lot on The Mandalorian, so we're getting a lot of setup for the next season of Mandalorian as well. So we're de- getting more deep dive into the lore a little bit. Oh yeah, and uh, it's it's kind of picking up a bit after when Mandalorian left off as well. But as also on top of that, like we're actually got to see uh, in the last, the last episode, you actually get to see, uh, like I'm, I don't know how Disney's doing this, but this is amazing. We're getting to see an actual Luke, young Luke Skywalker on screen. Like, hmm. no, like no joke. It's, I know how they're doing it, but it's, it's just a fascinating to see. They're actually willing to go this far to do it. Essentially they're using a body double, for the portrayal, but CGIing a younger version of Mark Hamill's face and voice onto the character, onto the body. So we're getting a legit. Well, I'm about to say, if anybody can, Disney can. Oh, they got the money for it, 100%. It's, like I said, it's just, it's, they're doing it really well. And Disney's actually giving us an opportunity to have a fleshed out universe and tell a good story. They're not pushing any real agenda. They're just telling a story. And it's so Star Wars is always meant to be is just tell the damn story. We don't need, I'm not trying to get political here, but we don't need modern day politics brought into a story. We don't, like, if you want inclusiveness, create the character, include them, don't shove down our throats. If you want a certain thing told, do it in a way that's, like, meaningful without feeling like you're forcing it. And again, Mandalorian and Book of Fett are doing a great job of that. They're just telling a damn story, and it makes sense. They're making these amazing characters, making uh, male, female, doesn't matter. These amazing badass characters telling their story, and you could like them or not like them. It's not like here, there's this character. It's, it falls in this genre. You must like this genre, this per- character, because we say you have to like this character. So, like I said, Disney is learned from their again. Some people disagree with this. This is my opinion on it. They've learned from the mistake of the uh, sequel trilogy 
and they're correcting their mistakes and telling a good story. It's cohesive. It makes sense. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one on the soapbox today. <laughs> oh, no. Like, if it comes to Star Wars, I could go on an hour-plus-long, like, two-, three-hour soapbox. Like, Star Wars for me has always been a near and dear subject to my heart. I grew up uh, watching the original trilogy with my dad. I remember watching episode one in uh, theaters. Granted, as I got older, I've, I've seen some of the airs episode one. But <clears throat> episode one gave us one of the most amazing fight scenes ever. When we like At the end of the movie, when you see Darth Maul versus Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, that fight scene is so iconic. And then... Oh, yeah. It's like... Seeing that... like. like Again, Jar Jar Binks. It's a campy character. It's it's a it's a slapstick, whatever you want to call it. It was made for the kids. Like I remember growing up, me and my friends would make like laugh and do the whole Misa Jar Jar Binks thing at recess. Like I just remember, like again, it has its flaws, but as a whole, like the prequels had an over piece of story. And also, considering that, like how long was it between uh episode uh <coughs> six and episode seven, like what almost 40 years somewhere in that ballpark yeah like we had might not have gotten any visual like visual uh, movie or cinematic story given to us beside like uh, after episode six but there was books upon like mounds of books that were written with told very good stories and to see Disney, what they did with the uh, sequel trilogy, it just this was disheartening. Well, I mean, and that's the thing. When, you know, we've talked about it before. Disregard for source material is the biggest thing with a lot of companies. You know, we've we've been on, we've been on that soapbox many a time. But, but here's I, the thing. Here's the thing with the, the whole Disney, that, that whole Star Wars thing is, everybody said, well, George Lucas didn't create it, so therefore it's uh, not considered canon. These stories aren't canonical. When there's evidence out there that Lucas has stated that he could not himself create and expand on the Star Wars universe by himself. He has shown support for this expanded universe and Legends universe stuff. It's, yes, was Lucas had a hand in all of it? No. But Lucas would not let stuff be published with Star Wars on it unless he approved it. To a certain That's point. a big thing. He's not going to let crap just get out there. Yeah. And Disney, and oh, whatever her name is, that the woman that, uh, I, again, I saw this online, so take it with great salt. And that lady who did the, uh, was it president over the three movies, the trilogy, says, when we wrote these movies, we had no source material for it. I want to, to strangle her. Because it's like, you had full 40, of shit. Oh, yeah. So you had 40 plus years of comics and, uh, books, you could have picked a damn story you chose not to. You chose your agenda. Well, that's the thing. They they chose it's like, oh, well, one of our current producing actors, or not actors, but current producing writers did not write it, so we didn't have any source material because yeah. it wasn't written modern. What's, what's funny is they're now going back to all this, uh, these Legends Expanded Universe material. Like, they, like, uh, what, who is it? Uh, the Thrawn, uh, Admiral, I can't remember. His, I can't remember his, the blue dude. I can't remember his name. I just off the top of my head. He was never canon until they put him into uh, uh, Rebels. But 
that mm-hmm. character came out of Legends and Expanded Universe. And he's one of the most uh, beloved and like loved villains. So it's like I got a question tell... for you. Yeah. So I know I just totally cut you off at the knees, but this is the funny thing. I always, you know, me and my friend Dane were talking the other day about it. Who do you think actually pulled first? You think Han pulled first in the fourth movie? Han always pulled first. You definitely think oh, so? I think oh, yeah. dude had his gun ready. Greedo? No way. Yeah. Greedo had his gun, his gun ready, but here's the thing. Like, Greedo had his gun on Han. But Han was too good of a, a, uh, gun, a gunsman to not be able to just go whip dead. So Greedo did not fire first. Han fired first. No, I... Yeah, that's what I definitely thought too. And I mean, we we discussed that the other day. And that, that you talking about this made me think of that. I was like, that is something I have honestly yeah. never asked Byron who, who he thought. And that's <laughs> I don't know why everyone asks that. Like, who do you think shot first? Was it Greedo or was it Han? And I'm like, I think it was Han. And like I said, it's I'm a, I said I because Star Wars is near dear my heart. Yes, there are some issues with it. Yes, you can call it whatever you want to. But the one thing I'll definitely say, like there are toxic Star Wars fans out there. But I would say this, but majority of Star Wars fans were very passionate about that stuff because it's it's something it was very unique for its time, and like nothing like it had done, been done before. So it's it's if you want some really cool information about Episode Four, or actually actually the original Star Wars trilogy, look up the heroic quest. It is a form for like how heroic stories are supposed to be told. It dates back to uh, ancient Roman Greece, and George Lucas used that form when he wrote these the first original trilogy. If you like I said, it hits. If you look at the, how it's supposed to go, it does everything. It's amazing to like learn that kind of thing. So I was like, I, I can't go much further than this. Be all I said, but I my recommendation right now is if you get a chance to, you've got Disney Plus. If not watched it yet, check out the book Boba Fett. It is worth the watch. It, like I said, if you're a fan of Boba Fett, watch it. It is worth it. I mean, I'm excited to definitely see what they're going to do with the expanded universe, you know, and extended material. I mean, uh, there's constantly, they're circling about, you know, the fan base, they're very passionate, as mm-hmm. you said, and everything else. But the, the biggest thing is, is just, are they going to honor that? You know, I, I, I'm excited to see what they do because Disney does. I, I hope they do it right. Like with rumors about them doing the old Republic stuff, it excites me but scares me at the same time. Because you just don't know if they're going to do it justice or if they're going to screw the pooch. Like I feel well, like let's it's, talk it's, about that game. Do you think it's not a game? It's like talk about <clears throat> taking the old Republic like EU material and actually make it canonical. Well, I'm talking about the Knights of the Old Republic. Let's talk about that that's, for a little bit. That old thing is like that's the Republic. That's the old Republic uh, lore. So it's that's what I'm talking about, like taking everything from like Knights of the Republic and everything that falls in line with that stuff and turning it into an actual like uh, maybe TV series, animated series, maybe movies. Like, again, it's hoping that they do do that. They do it correctly. But as long as long as they can. Yeah. But like I said, right now they're focusing on the High Republic. It's I would say they they try to do uh, Old Republic light. Again, I don't look too much into it. I just not, I just don't 
I don't know. It's that it came out roughly around the time of like right around when um, the higher Puck stuff came out roughly around the time like the last uh, movie nine came out like between eight and nine and just like for me it's just eight again back of my soapbox and I've reiterated myself but just the, the sequel trilogy just left a sour taste in my mouth when I came to Star Wars or at least yeah, with Disney's handling of it. And like, well, I'll best, be honest with you, I haven't even watched any of the new films. I watched episode seven. Uh, I really enjoyed it. But after sitting back and thinking on it for a while, I was like, wait a second. This is just New Hope rehashed. They literally just See, rehashed episode seven. Or episode seven rehashed episode four. See, the hype of everything at the back in the day was the big thing i wanted to see them but i just had way too much other shit that i would want to watch oh at yeah that point no. In time. no i get i get that like there's a lot of good stuff that came out during that time but like i said it's I, I, here's the thing one of my best friends from spring uh out in springfield like he loves the new stuff like the uh new trilogy because it's one of his favorite characters of all time is flynn uh he's an ex-stormtrooper who kind of got a conscience and is like i kind of got deprogrammed and a lot of people aren't happy with how the character was handled because he didn't get a full fleshing out of a story. It's like, they kind of like presented this really cool character, this really cool story and then left it hanging and kind of like was left in the background. So they didn't get closure. So they kind of half asked him. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And like I said, the Flynn character, like that's not about, it was a really well done character and I won't, I'll admit to the audience. I've only seen episode seven. I have not seen eight and nine. Because of a lot of things that were done in, I've seen a lot of spoilers. I've seen a lot of things like how they did eight and nine. A lot of stuff they did in it, I wholeheartedly disagree with. I mean, I could go on a soapbox about those movies and how they screwed things up. In my personal opinion, and I'd be willing to love to hear from the audience like what their opinions were on it. I mean, if you've got a question you want to like want me to answer or debate on it, like I'd be more than happy to. This. Shoot us an email, hit us up on Twitter if you got a uh, opinion on it. Like I said, I'll be more than happy to talk it out with you in a civil manner. I'll give you this. If you want to talk about this stuff or debate me about this stuff, I want to do it in a civil manner. I don't want you to – I don't plan on jumping down your throat or I don't plan – you don't jump down my throat. Like, I will discuss – No anything. keyboard warriors. No. If you want to – like keyboard warrior, go for it. I don't I, – you won't get a response from me. But if you want to discuss in a civil manner, by all means, I love a good debate, a good civil debate. Oh, absolutely. I mean, anytime that you can sit down with somebody and absolutely just discuss something. And, you know, obviously, like when we ever, me and you have a heated debate, Byron, it's a little different. It's it's we, passionate. That's, that's the thing is when we had heat debates, it's not we're arguing. It's we're very passionate about it. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's kind of like last week. Freaking Rachel had to break up the whole, whole <laughs> shebang. I was salty, but you trying to find loopholes. Like I'm sitting here trying to like I want a, a spirited competition, not trying to find loopholes. Well, that's kind of thing. Like I told you earlier, know thine enemy. I literally have just dissected like each one of those things. I even brought up things like you didn't know existed. Like I'm thinking outside the box uh, it's, for it's, it's, my it's, advantage. It's, there. it's more like you, you used a, uh, something I didn't think someone would use. Like again, last week with the. Uh, uh, the uh, when you use save states and contra i didn't think you'd use it i thought you know he just fall through and you know play the game as it was intended not you save states just keeps up from dying 
No, it was like just it, a lot of re. It was the save state was for the tethering of it, but you can obviously like on the Switch version and on uh like obviously any emulator, you can scrub back like so many frames, and that's what I did. A lot of it was scrubbing. Again, like I said, I thought you I thought you keep to the, my opinion. The spirit of competition is played straight and not trying to find a loophole. I've learned my lesson, well, folks. But Jerry's <laughs> gonna find tra- a loophole. Well, I mean, that's the thing. You know, if I'm going to play something competitively and, you know, if we have rules that we've established, then I'm going to adhere to those rules and I'm going to keep to the spirit of competition. But if there's something, you know, if it's obviously going to produce the results and I'm thinking outside the box of it, you know, like, hey, this guy, I'm going to literally dissect every word he says and I'm going to use it to my advantage. Yeah. You know, it's just not – it, it, it's a whole thing with me oh, and him. It's, it, <laughs> yeah, it's called that rules lawyering, folks. For those out there who play D and D or any kind of tabletop, y'all know about those rules lawyers. They like to find those loopholes. I'm telling you, the only thing I'm not a lawyer on is Tekken. That I just don't do that. No, God. man, I feel like it's time for us. Like I said, close up the nerd news. What do you say we start getting into our discussion about our Rushmore of wrestling? Ooh, I'm gonna get, like I said, I'm going to get roasted for mine. I think, honestly, like I said, what we – I think we should just go through each one of our lists. We will take the time. I'll I'll give you my four, you give me your four, and then obviously K-Rob over there, he'll give us his four. And we'll mm-hmm. save him for the best for last, obviously. All right. Because are a wrestling historian on top. Oh, yeah. Like I said, it's, uh, <laughs> do you want to go first or want me to go first? I'll tell you what, I'll let you go first just because I want to hear what you have. Because you, you said it's going to be very controversial in the regard of what it is. It's because I'm leaving off some very iconic wrestlers, but again, it's I just, I feel these four wrestlers... Did you at least leave some honorable mentions at least? No. I just like these are my top four I would put on Mount Rushmore. The three of them, people, if, three of them, if people don't disagree with them, I'll be shocked. The fourth one, I think a lot of people would be like, why the hell is, is this person on there? And I'm going to let people know ahead of time. I'm sticking with the uh, all mine are males. Like, I'm sorry. Well, I just I just didn't add anything else. Like I said, I think well, a male and female like, kind of thing. Like I said, there's plenty of females out there who have done well to like really usher in an, a good, strong era for female wrestlers. But I think it's a whole separate thing. I'm kind of sticking to like a male – uh, Mount Rushmore. And no, no, and this is no, this is to be intended as being sexist. It's just we're we're talking about the ones who paved the way, and obviously the ladies paid their respects and did what they needed to do to pave the way for women's wrestling. But hey, we're man. you know with my list as well, I I stuck more to the classic core. Uh, my thing was I went for more of the people that were a contributed the biggest to the business who grew it and cross several genres to get us to where it needed to be today. And that's where a lot of like my list comes from. And you know what, you know what, Byron, I'll tell you what, how about this? We'll, we'll switch it around a little bit. I, I, I'm, we're going to do a one for one. We'll go okay. around the table here. I'll give you my number four, Kyle, you give us your number four and then uh, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to do but my, you start out I, I'm going to go one and down. I'm going to say my fourth for last. So you're going to do top? So you're going to say top to bottom? Yes. Because there's a reason for okay. mine. Because my fourth one is 
one that like is my most controversial that some people are going to disagree with. My number well, one. I'm going to be reading my list the other way. That's fine. That's kind of this. Yeah. It's again, again. It's, I want to keep my number four as my last reveal. I want to save that one as my big reveal. But again, I say you guys can do your four up. I'm going to do one down. Audience, you're aware how we're doing it. So my number one on my Mount Rushmore, The Undertaker. Dude. Okay. It's, it's Taker. Come on now. I name me a more iconic and era-defining wrestler who literally, for years, like had this persona that like literally you, he was a Taker. Like there was no Mark Calloway. It was The Undertaker. And he's so well keeping that KFAB going for like what thirty plus years he's almost able to do it. Thirty thirty one years. Before we finally got to see the man I behind. I mean, he was. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say he was the backbone of the business. I mean, you guys are gonna kind of scold me. He was an honorable mention for me, but he did not make my Rushmore oh. just because he didn't transverse a genre for me of wrestling he didn't give like obviously he was the backbone he carried us through some dark times but the guys that i've chosen have been the ones that just you know they were i could tell yours was all about who was the true man i can tell that's well it's not about the true man it's just the ones that like either drew more attention to the platform that is wrestling the people that put asses in the seats Yep, you put a butt every 18 inches, you're going to make some money, as Jim Ross said. <laughs> All right, so yeah. Jared, so I guess your, I'll go ahead, go ahead. Who is your number four, Jared? Well, you know what? He, he's a guy I didn't really want on my list, but I had to put him on the list because of just his influence in the 80s, Hulk Hogan. Oh! Yeah, say what you want about the, about the man personally, but we don't have professional wrestling without him. End of story, period. That's the biggest thing. He in the eighties, he was the driving force. You know, he put butts in the seats, man. He was the guy that was the flawless hero in the eyes of a lot of kids. You know, you could put him up against a giant. You could put him up against a warrior. You know, he had a (laughs) lot of heated battles with the macho man. There was just so many things that he did. You know, he was the incredible Hulk until, you know, obviously Marvel. I don't know if they ever really gave him. No, no, he was right never called the Incredible. Exactly. It was the Immortal Hulk Hogan. No, I was saying at the time. I know he was using that during his early years, back when he was in developmental and stuff. No, he was. Like, his, I know that that was a thing before his big call. Terry Holder. When he came up in the anyway. in the in the AWA, but also you're forgetting, dude, his yeah, his influence on pop culture with Rocky Three is Thunderlips. Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't address that. We hadn't got that far yet, man. Man, selling me short already. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm curious who K-Rob's got number four. See, there's no order here. There's no order here whatsoever. And also, Jared, you know, throw it out there. Um, you know, Hogan reinvented himself doing the unthinkable turning heel in 1996. And, NWO. Hollywood. the Beach, man. Yep, July 7th. Oh, sorry. I mean, that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing. Like, he reinvented himself. He caused more, you know, attention and draw to wrestling. And that, that's the biggest thing. Like, you you got to think. These guys that I put on my list, and I know everybody's list is going to be different. Everybody can say whatever on it. You know, it's just the fact of he just was the guy for so long. He was a, 
you know, you think wrestling people word of mouth that may not even watch it. They'd be like, Oh yeah. Hulk Hogan was a wrestler. Right. Yeah. You know, he had word of mouth, like the Dallas Cowboys had word of mouth back in the day. Big, just, just such a massive brand. Uh, man, let me tell you something. Also, I share a birthday with that guy, but as a kid watching Nitro, when he made, this is how much I hated him as Hollywood Hogan. He made me hate Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> like all of a sudden oh, you, see, you listen yeah. to the commentators talk and freaking then you hear bam 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 like oh go away already you know? <laughs> so kyle what do you have at your what's your pick on one spot on the rushmore uh well there's no order here but no the first name i'm well, gonna I didn't say it had to be an order but what's your okay the first name i'm gonna throw out is a man who would who legitimately set the Carolinas on fire, Georgia on fire. The man who literally was was uh, kissing the girls and making them cry for 37 years. And that man is the nature boy, Ric Flair. I respect man, that. Man, I enjoy it. Yeah, I can definitely respect that. Even this though here guy, recently he just it, his helicopter did get grounded recently. Indeed. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but you know Rick is this is in terms of uh, physically, this is about the best he, best he's ever been, especially after the health issues he had. But we're talking prime Ric Flair in 1983 to God forever. <laughs> he <laughs> was it, one of the right? best dirty fighters to ever be in the ring. That's why they called the man the 30, dirtiest player in the game. If you tried to go low on him, he's going to poke you in the eye. All I got to say is my hand is freezing in this. This shape, guys. You know, is there I'm any reason the that, that there are four fingers up at this moment? It's like an involuntary spasm. I know. What is up with that? No, man, um, I'm telling Rick, you, honorable mention though, dude. I did have Arn Anderson on my list though. Speaking a. of the Nature Boy, <laughs> actually, it's not Arn Anderson anymore. It's Glock Anderson. If you watch AEW, <laughs> <laughs> don't mess with that man. It's Glock Anderson now. Um, but another thing with Rick is that he drew so much money in the, in the, in the territories for mid Atlantic championship wrestling for, uh, you know, for Jim Crockett promotions. And when you think WCW, you hear the letters NWA and you're not thinking about hip hop, you're thinking Ric Flair, you're thinking the four horsemen, the the custom made suits, the, for the wild promos, the incredible matches he had with Ricky Steamboat and Dusty Rhodes. Well, after his entry... Well, after his injury back in the 80s, what was it? Did he have – it was a car wreck, wasn't it, or was it a plane crash? It was a plane crash that he survived, and that was in 1975. And the funny thing was, wasn't it the the first guy he got back in the ring with? Was it not Harley Race? That I don't recall. I don't doubt that, but I'm not completely sure. But that is who he took the world title from at Starcade 83, a flair for the gold, which is recognized as the first professional wrestling pay-per-view. But without, like, think about this. Ric Flair transcends pop culture. You know, everybody, woo, period. Everybody's over his one. No matter what, he's a personality that is just too big to contain, no matter how, you know, what age he is. And, you know, as they say before I pass it on to Byron, diamonds are forever, and so was Ric Flair. Fair enough. Woo Nation, folks. (laughs) <laughs> love that podcast Byron who's next brother my next one the man who everybody wanted to be the man who literally gave a middle finger to his boss on so many occasions 
Stone Cold Steve Austin. Damn right. Like, like he is literally to this day still transcending the wrestling world. Yeah. Like literally back in the era, that era of the nineties, like he was the one, like every guy, every guy out there wanted to go, you know what? Screw you. Fuck you to your boss. Give him the finger and just lay him out. He was literally every person's like dream to be able to do that. And the Austin well, 316 the promo. Was. Like that came up that straight off the cuff. Yeah. And and guys, we've been to how many wrestling events live together? Several. I've been to a couple with you. Me and Kyle have never been to one together. Yeah. No, no, he was with us at one. Was it Raw one? No, one thousand. No. Raw one thousand. Was it? No, y'all weren't there. No. We were at Raw one thousand. I was. I didn't see y'all there. <laughs> we didn't go, dude. Yeah, we did. We went to Raw 1000. Totally didn't go. Did. Um, I that, didn't go. No, I went I, to Royal Rumble. I went to the SmackDown show at Cape. That No, Jared, we went to Raw 1000. It was you, uh, I think it was us three. Because that's the, that the uh, Dan Bryan wedding that went haywire. Yeah, with uh, CM Punk and Rock. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I may have been there. Like I said, I... I, I you slept I've drank too much since then. <laughs> but, like, also, <laughs> think of it this way. The rest of the events we did, too, when anybody's cutting a promo to this day, are people still not yelling what? Unfortunately. Like, the man just has a now. presence. So, that's uh, Austin, for me, again, the man that's, even to this day, still got people shouting what. That's why he's on Rushmore. Yeah. Um, I, I went a totally different route. But, you know, I mean, I will say he's on my list. He is definitely on my list later, but I'm going to give you my reasons later. But the next guy that I had on my list was the son of a plumber. Ooh, go on, preach, daddy. He, he's the thing. He knew all about them hard times, daddy, hard times, and how Ric Flair put hard times on the man I chose, Dusty Rhodes. Respectable. Yeah, the, the American Dwayne, the Tower of Power, the hit maker, the record breaker, too sweet to be sour, daddy. Mm. Dusty Rhodes is the first professional wrestler that sounded like a Southern Baptist minister that that could wrestle (laughs) on the side. Exactly. But here's the thing, man. There were two bad men in that world. One was dead. His name was John Wayne. And he was the other man. And he was bad. Mm, mm, mm. Man, that promo gets me every time. Like, the whole thing with John Wayne sends it home for me. Like, I I just love it. Because he's like, I know I'm bad. And he's like, I'm going to reach out. And I'm going to touch you, and that's when it starts. He's that, that Baptist minister, man. Mm-hmm. I always say, I think deep down, Dusty was a black man. Just, just, was, was a big old black man who just didn't get enough melanin. <laughs> um, but no, there is one promo of his that, for me, carries more weight <clears throat> than our times, and that's iconic, obviously. But there's a promo he did on WCW Saturday night, which was the premium show for WCW before they did Nitro. And he was promo. He, he, he did a run in to save Dustin Rhodes, who was just then the natural Dustin Rhodes. And... Dusty cuts this promo and it's literally called The View Never Changes. And he said, and he said, Arn, and you gave Arn Anderson yourself and he and he paid you back in scorn to hell with you, Arn Anderson. And he said, Arn Anderson ain't nothing but a walk behind her. And when you're a walk behind her in this world, the view never changes, baby. The view never changes. And I got one point, the crowd is at a fever pitch and literally this man puts his hand up. And everyone sits in the arena 
That is the most incredible form of crowd control I've ever seen in my life. And at the end of it, Dusty says, I want you to drag this old body and let me be your tag partner. And then they hug and kiss. And they're they're both in tears. It's beautiful. If you've never seen it, please look it up on YouTube. You, you I, know, I've that's a fantastic that choice. Well, I actually got to meet the man back in 2006 whenever oh, he came through with him and Harley Race's promotion in Popper Bluff. Awesome. That was – man was super-duper humble, took the time to talk to you, said appreciate you for coming out and seeing us put on a show tonight, and just, you know, man gave back to the fans tenfold. And that sounds exactly like uh, Dusty, and I have a, I have a quick story about him. Uh, you, you know my old radio boss, Randy Bailey, shout out to Z95 The Bone back home. Um, he would always tell the story about uh, meeting Dusty, and, get, and I think he got, I think he had like a book signing or something, and they were, they were sitting there sharing a story, and he told him thank you, and he goes, you're welcome, baby. And I'm like, oh, just love this <laughs> story. Such a geek over this stuff, man. But no, the American dream, the son of a plumber, the common man boogie. The guy got over with polka dots on, man. Polka dots. Oh, dude, man, that that I, that bionic elbow, man. Every time. Mm-hmm. Um, so he may yeah. not be the hero of the day because his butt a little big. He got a belly. <laughs> but he's bad, and brother, they know he's bad. That's an awesome choice. Exactly. I absolutely love that one. So my number two is what is who Byron picked as as his first choice. Got to go with the man when who who once said, "If you want mercy, take your ass to church." Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, is that's that. one of my favorite lines of his. But when let me tell you, as a kid, when you were at, at, between the ages of nine to twelve, when you heard the glass shatter on Monday nights, dear God, there's a reason a lot of buildings didn't have roofs anymore. Where in arenas that they ran during the Attitude Era. Once Austin caught oh, yeah, fire. Yeah, they blew off, man. Austin was the hottest draw in wrestling since Hogan. And because he came up through the tw- through the pay-per-view per month era and when wrestling television was regular, he's he's the biggest box office draw of all time. Still, I there was not there was no feeling on a week-to-week basis, like watching this man go out there, throw the middle fingers up. You got all the flashbulbs popping, and what a sight that was. Oh, and yeah. telling Vince McMahon off. He was the guy that you could live vicariously through. If you had a job and you didn't like your boss or there was someone there that just that just pissed you off, and Steve Austin was the guy that you wished you could be where you could just go flip your boss off, give him a stone-cold stunner, and guess what? He can't fire you. Because you make him too much money, and, and he knows beer. it. Yeah, and you could drive and drive a beer truck into the building, drive a Zamboni. Give the beer bath. The, yeah, the beer bath, which, by the way, yep. I rewatched that a couple nights ago. And how jealous, as an adult, am I of the people in the first row? <laughs> Open up, y'all. <laughs> like, legit. But also, credit to Vince for, like, swimming like he was actually drowning. You <laughs> <full laughs> so could sell it. Uh, but also just, you know, and it's a shame because, you know, he, know, he broke his neck in the match with Owen Hart at SummerSlam 97. A lot of his drawing years were, were cut short, but at the same time, in a, in a roundabout way, breaking his neck was a blessing because it added to the mantra of him saying, I'm the toughest SOB in the WWF. And because that really happened and he kept on going, everybody believed it. You almost didn't have a choice. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And also, no, he didn't. most people will say he had the greatest WrestleMania match of all time with Bret Hart that year at WrestleMania 13. Um, you know, the trilogy with The Rock, matches he had with Triple H. Uh, he was in the first ever First Blood match and so on and so forth. Austin's a freaking icon, or as he says, a global icon and a national treasure. And he still does podcasts to this day for WWE on Peacock. And yeah. you know, he's got his show straight up Steve Austin. The guy is... Definitely check out the broken. Is it Broken Ranch? Uh, the Broken Skull broken Sessions. Sessions. Broken Skull Sessions. Uh, like, he recently yeah. just interviewed the Becky Lynch on there on Peacock. It's a good good listen. So you know my my number two's got to be got to be the three one six as he as he once told The Rock, and I'm gonna date myself. When you pull out your pager and you see the three one six, that means your ass belongs to Stone Cold. Pager. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So uh, that's my. We just dated two. ourselves, folks. So, who you got next, man? Uh, my number three is the man that's arguably had the best rivalry with Stone Cold. It's a considered the it's considered the best rivalry to of all time in wrestling, and that is that. The Rock. Yeah, uh, and, you raise your eyebrow when you talk about him. There you yeah, go. Yeah, damn right. <laughs> and like the man is like on the mic, the charisma. And just he, he, whose confidence, like he just like come out there, talk like the stuff he said back in the day could not fly in this day and era. But man, the man was a phenomenal Mike. He was a great worker. And tell me, out of everybody out there who's ever taken a stunner, nobody <laughs> can tell it like The Rock. <laughs> Do you know oh, the man. story behind that? Why he did it that way? They, him and uh, Stone Cold bet uh, cases of beer on it. Yes. It was basically it was yeah. a rib, um, rock a rib within a rib. And not not just that. The reason he's also on there is he paved the way for people to not only be like for the WE, but paved the way for people to branch from the branch out to the actual movie industry. Like I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but here yeah. relatively recently, uh, if you guys remember back when it was like 2010, 2011, like uh, John Cena. Like literally was like had a legit feud with The Rock because John Cena was like, I'm here every day. Why aren't you? You call yourself the people's champion. You should be here for the people. He now has so much. He's taking really apologize for him saying themself, himself saying that. He says he now gets it. He understands why you weren't in the ring all the time while still shooting movies because like you go for one movie to the next. And so like – and John Cena, like as, much, as bland as he can be at times, I'll admit he's one of the hardest workers in the industry beyond so like he paved the rock paved the way for john cena to actually get out there into the, the movie industry and now he's he's doing phenomenal peacemaker it's a phenomenal show so yeah. it's a like i said the rock is again when you hear uh if you smell like pop on like on the uh from the jumbotron you knew like again some jabroni's about to get oh, their ass oh, oh yeah yeah, that's no damn lie, dude. So for uh, number three for me, it's, it's The Rock. Like at Raw 1000, I'm not even gonna lie, dude. Like I, he always used to say that everyone's standing on their feet, goosebumps and electricity running through their body. When his music hit in 2012, first off, childhood dream come true. Oh But yeah. that is no joke. Like the arms, the hair on my arms were standing. I'm not even kidding. That like when he says I'm the most electrifying man in all of entertainment, that that that's no joke. 
And having grown up watching him through all of his stages of being chubby Rocky Maivia, being told die Rocky die, to going turning heel and joining the nation, and he finally got to vent those frustrations. Then he became, you know, he was Nation Rock Rocky, and then he corporate rock, corporate rock. But my uh, and then my two favorite versions: Cuban drug lord rock with the electrifying $800 shirts and the glasses. Oh, yes. and the dude had yep. the world's sharpest uh, sideburns. I wanted my sideburns so bad like that. And then the best rock and no debate, hot heel Hollywood rock, period. And not not and, up for debate. And I'll say this much. Like, he, like <coughs> I, I hate that he did this, but at the same time, I appreciate it. When he put over Hurricane. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the man was willing to pay his dues. Like, oh, for he, sure. Like, when he somebody willing to put over the care, like the hurricane, like he was kind of like, like, like I said, he wasn't like a person considered like an amazing character, but like to put over a character like that, like props to him. They Respect. had so, but they had so the tremendous comedic timing, and that's also one thing. A shout out Gregory Helms is the hurricane, criminally underrated wrestler, especially in WCW. He's a producer now for WWE. Um, yep. but yeah, the, the comic, the, the comedy skits they had in the back where he said the Scorpion King got a tiny ding a ling <laughs> <laughs> and he, when he would fly off out of the camera shot and the rock would look up and sell it. And then like afterwards he looks down at his junk and he goes, you are still the man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hollywood rock. <clears throat> I, I, I love people's champion year 2000 rock, the promos he was cutting, but 03, Hollywood Rock was so savage and just ruthless to the crowd. The Toronto crowd. They haven't recovered from that from that promo since. Stronger <laughs> than a bear, faster than a buck, the biggest thing to hit Canada because the Maple Leafs suck. <laughs> the only oh, person who fuck. got more heat in that building was Shawn Michaels when he when he when he, he tricked them into thinking Bret Hart would come out two years later. Uh, but the, the Rock job? transcends everything, man. And you know, oh. he, he he's wonderful. On a flip note, on a flip side, his daughter still does not believe that he's he's Maui. <laughs> oh my he could God. do the he could do the whole rap and she still would believe him. Like, like he's done Instagram videos, he sings the song "You're Welcome" to her, and she does not. His youngest daughter does not believe him when she when he tells her that that's actually he's not amused. <laughs> so you know you definitely got the so you got the rock on yours, Jared. I mean, I mean, you can't go wrong there. Uh no, you can't. And I mean, honestly, Kyle, mine. On the next line of my list is one you already done, and I don't have to say anything, but woo! Yes, sir. Nature Boy Ric Flair. Uh, a lot of my favorite moments with him were obviously the four horsemen moments with uh, Jim Crocker Promotions, uh, him and Dusty. You know, that that's what I go back to there. But you know, just overall, I preferred him with the group. I, I obviously I enjoyed him as a singles competitor, but as a group, he was just the glue that tied everything together. Him and Evolution was a phenomenal. Yes, Evolution oh, yeah, is a solution. Man. And that's you, you yeah, put Ric Flair I and, to put over Evolution. It, the whole thing is, you literally put Ric Flair in any sort of stable, he's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. I still like... That, that's favorite, the way I look at it. One of my favorite uh, like, moments of all time is like his retirement match with Shawn Michaels. Oh, like man. The emotions in that thing. You see like the emotions in Ric Flair. That final uh, Sweet Chin music... He just said, like, come on, come on. And you literally see uh, Shawn Michaels, like, he knew he had to do it. Again, it was, it's, he didn't want to do it. He just says, I'm sorry, I love you. Hits it, pins him, and he just grabs him by the head and he's just crying. Yeah. Like, 
the emotions that match. Like I, I, you know what? I'm not sure. Like as a fan, just from a fan's perspective, I it felt like Sean, as a shoot, didn't want to be the guy to, you know, do no. that match. Uh, but like, I, really, I think, think back in the day, whenever. Guy. Well, you got to think though too. Back in the day, Undertaker really didn't want to do that to give that to Flair whenever he first came back. You know, when we finally started seeing the return of Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. And like had, actually good work in Ric Flair. And Rick, Rick, Rick had said doing that match with Taker really gave him his confidence back because towards the end of WCW, he just didn't have it anymore in his head. And mm-hmm. also in that match, Arn Anderson giving the best damn spine buster of all time. The smoothest spine buster I've ever freaking seen. Dude. <laughs> yes. Like, he's but slid I mean, in that's there literally and, do, his... and, and he picked up Taker effortlessly and then he slides out. I'm like, wait, what the? Arn Anderson's still dropping bombs like that at his age? And this was 2002. <laughs> but then again, Arn Anderson's looked 60 years old since 1984. <laughs> True. Man can drop bombs today still. I mean, yeah. if they would let him compete, he would do it. Oh, no doubt. I don't say for me. Well, that's 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 my choice though. But real quickly, I said nothing for me. I'll mention he did make my list. Uh, is uh, Shawn Michaels? Yeah, like, that he's on my honorable too. Yeah. See, that's why that's why you know you can catch a lot of flack for doing these types of these types of uh, you know list and discussion topics because way too many people that are great you'll leave out Bret Hart, Kurt Angle, and Triple yeah. H, and so on and so forth. So, yeah. so, so, who's your next one, uh, Kyle? I'm My curious. next one is is a is a is an OG. He's the first member of the WWF slash E Hall of Fame because he was the first worldwide global attraction, the eighth wonder of the world, Andre the Giant. Oh, Andre. Not ju- oh, and man. also and also not just because of the Princess Bride, but it doesn't hurt. No, like, no, Matt would say that he would definitely Andre, say that does Andre, Andre's global impact before when what what we knew of him in the WWF, you know, starting to slow down and everything, and then the gigantism took effect on him really bad. But Andre in his younger days could do cartwheels. He was extremely athletic, and he was a global attraction that the world had never seen before. And his ability to draw well, money. You remember- Go ahead, brother. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, you remember when he was with the, was it Heavy not was it heavy Machinery in New Japan, the mask he wore? Or, I cannot think of the name of the group he was with. I can't recall immediately. But he had a mask he wore. He was for a giant machine. That was what I remember him going over there and doing that work for a little while while he was filming and stuff. Uh, one thing I ask is, like, wasn't like he considered like like a big guy that would be like a small guy in his prime? He was he was he was very lean for despite being a seven. Yeah. Very very lean. Like I said, and, ex, and a great athlete, especially in his day. You know, just compared to other physical specimens. But adding on the fact he's seven foot four was uh, just just made him a marvel, and that's why he was given the name the eighth wonder of the world by the time that. And he and he worked everywhere, um, all kinds of territories in the United States, and especially overseas yeah. in Japan, a humongous deal. So if we don't, if if we're not giving uh, Andre his flowers, and also being the first uh, inductee into the WWF Hall of Fame in 1993, when they did not have a an actual ceremony, his um, his induction was just a video package on Raw, uh, because he had passed away, I believe, three months after the show debuted. But yeah, just for yeah. for legacy uh, and also, he was also a part of like one of the biggest like scenes in the '80s, the biggest iconic 
things to slam her around the world. Slam her around the world. Granted, in the days yep. of kayfabe and lack of internet, that people believe that. But you know, if you had seen him beforehand, you know Hogan had slammed him, up and you know beforehand, and others had too. But on that stage, oh, yeah. ninety-three thousand one hundred seventy-three, wink, wink, at WrestleMania three, and then also being a part of the largest drawing televised wrestling match of all time on the main event, the rematch with Hogan, where they did the double referee finish. Uh, 33 million people tuned into NBC to watch that match and watch Hogan get screwed out of the title, in which Andre then gave the belt to Ted DiBiase because he got bought off. I mean, what a story that is. Well, heel Andre was one of my favorites. I mean, he, uh, God, he tore the crucifix off of Hogan. He ripped his shirt off at WrestleMania, going into WrestleMania three, and, and you know, I imagine Hogan was of, super hot about that. But I imagine a lot of fans were genuinely traumatized seeing Andre walk out with Bobby Heenan, mm. you know, the ultimate, the weasel. But you know, yeah, mine has to be Andre for his legacy and contributions, being the first worldwide wrestling draw. I agree with that. Byron, what do you got for the final run? All right. This is the one that's going to get me probably crucified by a lot of people. For me. Okay, lay it on us. The man, no. The man that first made Taker seem human. I'm talking about Kane. Oh, that's a a great choice. Like, Glenn Jacobs is a good choice. Yeah. uh, I say it's, when you think of like uh, Bret Hart, uh, 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 HK, <clears throat> like you see all these other great names. Like again, I feel like Kane came in, did something nobody thought was possible. Make literally make this man like Taker. This man makes everybody shake, seem terrified. Mm-hmm. And legit, well, it was goes just such a great angle they did. Yeah, and, and again, the Brothers Destruction, arguably one of the greatest tag teams to ever set foot in the squared circle. And the work this man put in, the things this man did, like, he was, like, what, six, what, like, about six, nine, about six, six, eight, six, nine. And he's so. how athletic he came off the, like, the, the closing off the top rope. Like, yep. you ne- didn't see big men jump like that off the top rope. Only, I mean, only I, Undertaker yeah. for doing yeah. the, doing the, the leap over the ropes, you know. The, uh, the, uh, uh, old school. Yep, and doing old school, but Kane, yep. Kane could do a ton of, could do a ton of things, and. Um, the story you're talking, the story you're referencing, I mean, folks, obviously our listener, you know, listening, you know, audience would, if you're aware, you know, they built this thing up all year throughout 1997, where it was revealed. Paul Bearer said, Undertaker, I got a secret I'm going to reveal. And he eventually said, your brother's alive. And then he <laughs> called him a murderer and actually called him a goddamn murderer on, on live television, which is very heavy. And then at the first Hell in a Cell. They, they debut him, and dude, it's not the fact that Kane debuted, but he ripped the door off of Hell in a Cell, like, oh my god. And then Vince McMahon... Yeah, he went... Dude, Vince McMahon's selling it, that's gotta be Kane! And, and know, also, uh, like, they, they were also, Kane and Undertaker took part in the first Inferno match. Yeah, you ask those guys, they weren't the biggest fans of it, but from a visual perspective... It one of the one coolest of the, things you've ever seen. Oh yeah, like when, they, when you see those big guys slam the mat, you see the fires just shoot up. Yeah. Like again, and the man put in so much work, and I feel like he didn't really like he got some good runs, but like for the amount of work he put in, I don't feel like he really got a very good like 
solidified like main title run. If that makes sense. Oh, it does. Yeah. Um, he didn't get a sustained title run until 2010. Uh, he was a guy that really wasn't worried about that kind of thing. You know, he's a company guy, and granted, they, he got thrown into some. He was given some really crap angles. I think, I think of all the legends, Kane might be the the most misbooked. I mean, Katie Vick, anybody? Ugh. Um, I definitely agree with that. You know, he won the title. He 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 was the first guy to beat Austin for the belt um, at King of the Ring. I mean, granted, who remembers that because of Hell in a Cell? But then he lost it the very next night. On, on Raw to Austin. So, uh, you know, I, but great tag team guy. Honestly, Kane doesn't get enough credit as a tag team wrestler. He, he had some tremendous partnerships. X-Pac, The Hurricane, RVD, obviously. Uh, Brian. Team Hell No. Team Hell, Hell no. no was hilarious. That, was, the, on the surface, that is something that should not have worked. But you had two of the, yeah, like, I, agree with that. I mean, you had one of the most technical wrestlers out there, Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And then you get with a big man that can move like he could, even at, even at the age his age. Like the thing is, uh, Kane like was still moving very well even late into his career. The comedy chops of that man though, and when they did the therapy and yeah. sent Daniel Bryan to therapy, and the next thing you know, you see everyone freaks out. They see Kane. The line that always <laughs> always popped me because they make reference to the garbage Katie Vick angle, and he says. I had a girlfriend named Katie once, but let's just say that didn't work out too well. Like, well, y'all are disgusting, but that's so hilarious. Just you know? Definitely the, a good choice, though, Byron. Oh, yeah. No bad choices, dude. And like I said, some people say I'm elitist for picking wrestlers that are all through the Attitude Era, but you know what? It's that's what, the era, that's what the era I grew up in. It. It's yeah. your list. It's your choice. So, Jared, right, guys, what, what's your next one? I'm curious. Well, I'm not going to go into detail because you guys literally touched everything I would want to say on it. Mr. 316, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, God, mm-hmm. I cannot talk today. <laughs> yeah, and also don't forget former CEO of the WWF, and he once shoveled piles of shit in Vince's office on live television. <laughs> we also know that sweet spot on a bedpan because of him. Bedpan McMahon. <laughs> Apparently, Vince was going to get really hot at him if he didn't swing it as hard as he could. Because he said, if I'm gonna, if you're going to get physical with me on TV, you're going to get physical with me on TV. And, you know, you're worried. Oh, that and he sold it. He's just sitting here trying to check and see where I don't at. think there was any selling that. You just, that's just something you got to eat all of. <laughs> and then, and then oh, you know, he's beating him up in the hospital bed, and then he shoves the enema up his butt. He says, I always knew you are full of shit, Vince. Now we're going to find out how full of shit you are. It's going to hurt you more than it hurts me. And then he shoves <laughs> it up his butt, and then the camera goes black. <laughs> like, yeah. As you can tell, folks, we could probably do like almost a whole episode just talking about Austin. It, like, it's true. That oh, iconic. That guy was well, a, was was the biggest pop culture figure outside of my dare say Michael Jordan in the 1990s. I dare I say. Kyle, let's hear what your final pick is, man. Mine, uh, I'm dying mine, to hear what you got. Mine is Taker. You know, the anchor of not just the WWF, WWE, but honestly professional wrestling for the last 30 years. You know, he was the backbone. You think about it during an era where, as we call it, ship jumping was happening on a regular occurrence. Guys hopping from promotion to promotion. He never left. Yeah. You know, and there were offers. No, he, he almost, was. There, there's a story. He almost left uh, to go to WCW to to join up with Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. But the problem was, and Kevin said it, man. Well, 
you can't be the undertaker here and that's all you've been for so long so well, this would work well he was already mean mark in wcw though yes but by, by 1996 97 dude that's the undertaker who who remembers oh me? yeah well you can't it, oh yeah but i mean at the same time you gotta think yeah and i mean different stories about it man it's and, you know, Kevin Nash, every so often Kevin gets himself confused, just like Hulk Hogan gets himself confused. You know, originally he was picked to be the basis for Metallica, didn't you know? Well, I did, I did know that. Uh, wink, wink. Uh, how you doing? Confirm Schnavitz. Uh, but no, Taker. And also, I love listening in the Nash shoot because the dude just sounds like he's just in, like he's been laying on the beach all day. So chill. But Undertaker has been the constant of professional wrestling with a gimmick that honestly is dumb. He's an undead zombie mortician. That is a stupid-ass gimmick. But his commitment... Gobbledygooker. Do you know who was under that suit, by the way? Who? Hector Guerrero. (laughs) There was a Guerrero under that suit. Yeah. Taker's biggest fear, actually, he said, because he he debuted that same night, Survivor Series 90, his biggest fear is that they were going to put him in the chicken suit. And that's how they were going (laughs) to debut him. Oh, God. He was very worried about that. But... You know, his from his debut with Brother Love, uh, Bruce Pritchard, um, onto his constant evolution throughout the times. Not just evolving his look and presentation, but changing his in-ring style as the years progressed. He always adapted to different people. The first time we really got to see Undertaker prove that he could go to the mat and wrestle with somebody was when he, he had a he had a title match with Bret Hart at the '96 Royal Rumble, and he went to the mat. He showed he could mat wrestle when he started getting in the ring with guys who are more on the athletic side, like Kurt Angles, the Brock Lesnar's, and, you know, the Ben Wallace guys on SmackDown in the early days, he showed off his ability as a striker. Then you got to see him do more submissions and incorporate the MMA and stuff like that. Constantly evolving, knowing when to change. And everybody's got their favorite iteration of Undertaker, their favorite look, their favorite version of his theme song, which, by the way, Ministry of Darkness Taker for life. Um... That's just me, but he's had a countless, countless moments that we all remember. You know, obviously throwing Mick Foley off Hell in a Cell, throwing Rikishi off Hell in a Cell. Oh God! Yes. <laughs> his um, his slamming man behind has... through the cell. Now the throwing oh. Mick off of the cell was supposed to happen. Him going through it was not. There was uh, a lot of stuff in that. It, it, the man has had so many memories and so many iconic moments. Guys, up. Um, and, so many. And, and guys, I hope I you guys like, enjoyed. I have one more comment. The one thing I feel like Taker okay, like, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Probably not appreciate enough for was how, like, as like a, a figure in the locker room that yes, the locker that, room that locker room leader yeah. back in the day was that time where like everybody's out for themselves and he was just that constant focus of keeping the locker room at peace. And if you don't, we got. Well, he was the one wrestling. thing that was constant in that business. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, yep. people came and went. He was always there because his thing is he is so big on loyalty because he said, I'm, you know, Vince McMahon gave me a chance to be myself, to be the undertaker. And I'll never be able to I'll never be able to repay that man for what he's done for my life. And people say people say what they want about Vince McMahon and everything's been said. He's been so good to that man for so long and taking care of him. And. The night that we all thought he was going to retire, first off, we're not going to mention the streak ending. I, I was getting pissed. Um, but he lost the match to Roman Reigns, and then he starts taking off his gear in the ring, and then he lets up his big sigh. And I'm like, um, no, what are you doing? Please stop. Please stop. 
and then the then the camera starts panning to the crowd and you see grown men crying and hugging because we thought that's it he thought that was it it was supposed to be and well he had one more in the tank though yeah well actually it was because he because the match stunk and he had to he had to make it make it better for himself but that was the first time he had officially humanized the undertaker as mark calloway he went to hug his wife his kids at ringside I had to go, I was working at Walmart, I mean, I still work at Walmart, but I was working nights and had to go to the meat cooler to cry alone. That really tore me up. He always said, I never take for granted the ability I've been blessed with to move people's emotions through what I do. And he truly has had that ability, like, when he, he won the title at WrestleMania 13 from Sid, and he points to the crowd and says, this is for you. That gets to me, because he recognizes what his accomplishment means to the people. You know, he, it's basically saying, I, what am I without all of you? And one That's thing that sticks out to me is in recent years, he's really stated that his in his mind, he wants to get back in that ring, but the body just can't do it anymore. No, he but always, he's just not as physically able to perform it. No, um, but the cool thing is, let me tell you but, something. I saw a picture of, of him at the Royal Rumble because he was there visiting uh, supporting his wife, Michelle McCool, who was in the Women's Rumble, who can still go, by the way. And he was in the ring showing his showing his youngest daughter how to do old school. And she was walking the ropes. I saw a picture of that. How cool is that, man? That's oh, awesome. Can you imagine That's his daughter cool, actually gets into the thing and, like, is pulling off his moves? He actually – his wife actually said they have a wrestling match every night at home. With, the, with their youngest, they have entrances and everything, but he always, his entrance is always like some little lullaby or something, and, she, and his kid comes out to his music. <laughs> and, well, guys, that, I hope that, you enjoyed our picks for the list. No doubt. That was All great. All right, so I think, I think it's time to uh, get, our, get into the, the elephant in the room, the five-week gaming challenge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we got to see who came in on top, and unfortunately – for these two, it was me this time again. You got Zelda. This man, like, I kid you not, like, with the rules we made, when he uh, when he told us he beat the game in about two and a half hours, <coughs> the only way we had a shot is if we could, like, legit beat the game as an actual speedrunner. Like, people that do this, like, for fun, to see how fast they can do it, like, sub two hours, like, there's just no way. I tried... I failed you all. I'm sorry. <laughs> I completely failed. Like Zelda's never been my jam. Don't get me wrong. It's a fan, like, especially Link to the Past, which was our preferred uh, game of choice in the franchise. It's a phenomenal game. Bro, I was raised on Sonic. Like, I didn't start getting into RPGs until junior high. This dude has been playing the game since he was five. We were screwed. Yep. It's 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 it goes back to I, I, like. I mean, it, uh, it's, it's like it's essentially when I threw the challenge down for Pokemon, and I again they didn't really get a chance to really do much of it, but I don't think they had a chance of catching me by the end of it. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't have had you at the gen you picked. If you would have picked like blue, red, or yellow, I would have had. A it, good it would probably it would probably been a very good, very cl- it would been a very close match. But like, or five, even like gold or way. silver, I would have probably had you. Yeah, probably. Again, I think Gen 1 and 2, there's a very strong chance you could have kept me. But at Gen 5, I picked that one for a reason. The only way to really grind takes way too much time. I actually have gone back and I've done a new Nuzlocke on it. 
and actually grinding the mod that gives you the best XP, it takes like two hours to really grind it. And, and so, folks, I'm a notorious grinder when it comes to leveling up yep, Pokemon and that's, and that's, that's, that's why I picked Gen 5. If you did play it, you couldn't sit there and grind because of diminishing XP values. Exactly. But I was glad to take the win on this one. It was a personal challenge for me, too. And before we started the show, I actually showed the guys the results because I was like, you know what? I at least took a picture of it. Yep. We're sorry that we're not keeping up with this as well as we hoped we would. But, but it was a nice thing to beat the, the game and, you know, the zero continues, no deaths. Like, it was a very powerful that moment. Like, I mean, I'm going to probably play it again to try to see how much further and how faster I can play it. And Byron has told me even about, like, even doing some variations of randomizers, which I'm excited to try that at some point. Whenever he comes visit, we're going to get that going. See but what you can do. Exactly. But without further delay, guys, the final, not the final week, but for week, week four. four. Depending on if I win this week, then it's the whole Monty's mine. But if Byron wins, then it's a showdown between me and him. If Kyle wins, this is his one last chance. He's got to beat us this week. Otherwise, it's going to be. This game I feel a lot more confident about. And guys, we are going to be playing Donkey Kong Country 2 this week. Vinny's Conquest. And the rules for this classic game for the Super Nintendo. So the rules for this week are this: it's one game over. It's you have two hours a day for one week, but if you get a game over, you're done. It's who can have the highest straight up like normal. Yeah, it's who can get the highest completion rate. Exactly, and say if we all tie up on the completion percentage, then the person with the most lives and probably the most DK coins. Or we could just get that. I mean, yeah, I guess I did say most DK coins. I can definitely see that. Uh, and again, if it's if it's still tied up all the way through it, it's considered this week a draw. And again, we force it to a final uh, a final fight on uh, uh, wedding weekend. Yeah, it could definitely be a good final fight. And obviously, we'd have to settle up on it. But I, it comes down to the court, folks. And I, I mean, I, I'm gonna quote this. You know, and Kyle's gonna get it. I took it personally. Mm. Oh, he took it way personally. <laughs> you know, he really did. Oh, now, no. Like, if you were sitting there saying, you got to, okay, like, you could do that to me if you gave me one week to beat Metal Gear Solid 3. Because I could. I'll give you that. I could. But, no, see, here's what I would say. Beat the game, but no alerts. That would suck. Oh, I know God, for, that's uh, like uh, a... I know for a fact, I, if we ever do this game challenge again, I already have mine picked out, and you guys are going to hate it. Well, I want to punch you in the face. Uh, it's You get to play Halo 1, Legendary. Okay. Oh, fewest, no. Okay. Who, who has the fewest deaths by the end of the game? You have to beat the game. <laughs> get the hell out of here. I got the Master Chief collection, but you get the hell out of here with that. Okay, Byron, you, you pull that shit. We're playing RE4 professional professional and you have to use the base gun oh I, just the pistol white flag <laughs> screw that yeah imagine you, i, I want to see him try to take down uh, dr salazar the chainsaw just using a standard pistol with no upgrades i it can I be done for, it can I, be done I, I it can be but you, uh, it takes a lot of ammo and also you can't use the knife Okay, we'll we'll have fun with it. Now, I'll, well, you got to give me the knife because I have to be able to at least harvest for stuff. 
You don't do that in RE4. Yeah, you do. You fucking use a knife to crack open, like, freaking cases. Oh, box, you know, yeah. Barrels. Yeah. So, essentially, essentially, no knives on enemies. Yeah, no, no knives I- on enemies, but... But surrounding objects, yes. No, that's fine. But to take down enemies, uh uh-uh, no, sir. That, oh, oh, no, we could also do it where we have to take on Krauser with just a knife. Ugh. I already know for a fact I, that's an L for me that week. But again, yeah, that's, a just, ma- that's a massive L because I, I honestly, and I've never raged out on a game before, but that might be my first rage. <laughs> so, again, it's just a couple, maybe some spoilers got- for some future uh, if we do this again. But like I said, this week, DK2. Uh, Let's see who can guess. See who can how this goes. This one I feel really good about. Let's see if there's gonna be a. Let's go see if there's gonna be a week five. I, I, will I, Jared I, shut down his challengers? He may. I I told you before the pod, before we started recording. Like Kyle, pressure's all on you to stay to keep this going. Me, it's if I win, great. I still go to the final fight. If yep. you win, I still go to the final fight. It's just if Jared wins, so it's the pressure's on you, dude. Yeah, either way, I got to come through on this one, but DKC2 is one of my favorite Super NES games of all time, so I feel really good about this one. I, I feel pretty good about this one, too, because I've actually, uh, when I first hit my Switch, I actually play, uh, started playing it a bit, and I got pretty far into it. I just got to stay out of that the hidden area, because, God, I, I would die too quickly. I'm definitely going to play a little bit tonight. So, just guys, what do you say, <laughs> you know, we, we've kept the wrestling theme this week. Let's what do you it. say we go ahead and fall back and rewind in our retro rewind? Let's do it. We like and this brother. week, guys, exactly. This week, we're actually going to be covering our favorite wrestling match. Like, for me, it's going to be the gateway of what got me into all this. And then, you know, with everybody else, it's what match is most iconic to them. And that's what we're going to be covering today. So I'm going to go ahead and let Byron start us off. So for me, like I was always a big fan of The Rock. I really got interested in him watching Scorpion King. So like, growing up, I would uh, I actually had access to the internet on my phone. I would stay up late at night watching YouTube videos of The Rock's wrestling matches. And then I stumbled across this one match. And it's always – it's for me, it's my favorite of all time. It's the Armageddon six-man Hell in a Cell. You had Rikishi, The Rock, Kurt Angle, Stone Cold, Triple H, and The Rock. Yeah, these six big. Undertaker, you said Rock twice. Oh, oh, did Rock? Oh, Undertaker. I apologize. He I hear his pants. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he's having a Rock fit over there. Yeah, but like I said, you had these big superstars in the first time ever. Six of the some of the best athletes at the time, and well, five, and then you had Rikishi. Like no offense, but Rikishi that match really didn't make any sense. Actually, it did. Better clean up some of that drool, Byron. It all made sense. But just that match, the brutality of that match. Austin taking Triple H around the cell with his face, just grading it. Uh, the fighting on top of the ring, the fighting on the cars outside the ring. Uh, Rikishi getting thrown off the freaking cell into the bail, uh, truck of hay. Like, that was such an iconic match in the promo. If you ever a chance to, just watch the promo leading up into that match. It is fire. Yeah, it is. Oh, absolutely. Man, I, what I remember most about that match, and actually everybody was intertwined. Kurt was the chicken shit champion that didn't want to deal with anybody. So he he was running from a fight. He screwed Undertaker out of the title at Survivor Series the month before because he did a twin magic by having Undertaker beat up his brother Eric, who looks like him. Triple H and uh, Austin flipped Triple H upside down in a car at Survivor Series, but Triple H had Rikishi run Stone Cold over with a car the year before, and The Rock just wanted his title back. 
Plus, he wanted to beat up that thong-wearing fatty Rikishi because he did it for The Rock. And Mick Foley was the commissioner. He was just pissed off at everybody. So he wanted basically to off them all inside the match that ended his career. And Vince McMahon didn't want anybody in that match because he's trying to protect his investments. And he called and, Mick Foley yeah. a sadist for it. And then you had Austin come out, hit him with a stunner. Yeah. Then Rock comes out, hits him with a rock bottom. The tank comes out, hits up the last ride. Yeah. Oh, it was that's, that, that's such a classic um, uh, segment. And then Mick ends it with, kiss my fat ass, Vince, and have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great one. And honestly, a lot of people say that was the last, like, great, that ended the last full calendar year of the Attitude Era, because that's Armageddon 2000. And nobody remembers anything else from that show. So that's an awesome choice. That's, a, that's a pure Attitude Era match. And the thing is, that was the – the one at one time we ever saw six people go into Hell in a Cell. Yep, it's never been done again to this day. True. So, who's next? Mossman. All right, Mossman, let's see it. I'll go ahead and I'll take the wheel on this one. So, for me, guys, it's definitely got to be Chris Benoit, Shawn Michaels, and Triple H. Mm. That, right, that right there for me was obviously the gateway. I got to see the beginning of the whole feud – where, you know, you had Chris Benoit and Triple H interacting because he run the Royal, the Royal Rumble. You had the whole thing where Sean felt like, hey, I'm the one that needs to win this because I've got all these things. It's like, it's me. I'm the show stomper. And, you know, building up to it, it's we literally had just, you know, these three guys. And they put on a hell of a clinic. Like ben Walsh is a skilled wrestler. And, and I mean, throughout the career, Kurt a, uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels, like, they were always been so close, and anytime they've ever been in a match where they're against each other, there's always so much emotion in it. Like, they're like, I don't want to do this. And sometimes they, like, the entire time they actually screw each other over, it's always gold. Well, you had uh, Triple H's obnoxious white boots in that match. <laughs> you remember that? He didn't. I know Kyle remembers that. I mean, it's better no, than like, he literally had these obnoxious white boots. It's better than Bicycle Shorts, Triple H at SummerSlam 2003, and it's much better than Shawn Michaels' brown tights Ooh. at Survivor Series 02. But the match, yeah, the yeah, match. Yeah, I remember that. What would they have, like, the, the crappy hearts on there? Yeah. Yeah, and actually the lettering was supposed to say HBK on it. It, it wasn't even finished. So it just had added oh, H on it. Nope. Ooh. Uh, but the, the triple threat with Benoit, you know, obviously there's reasons, you know, that, that match will not be spoken about. By WWE and it's an, and it is a shame because the match was absolutely fantastic. Uh, right guy won at the very end, and he did it at Madison Square Garden. Then you had the post show, uh, the post match with Eddie, and you know the two guys who were. Told what gets me is the fact that you had him and Eddie in the ring together. Yeah, those are two guys. Not only were they best friends, but they were always told you'll never make it. You're too small, and there they both were. The yep. champions, both champions of the largest wrestling promotion in the world inside the world's most famous arena at WrestleMania. That's storybook. Mm-hmm. You know, and Absolutely. it is it is very unfortunate that uh, that moment, that well, match can't be promoted. Well, you remember the follow up to that whenever Triple H wanted to try to take his hands again at Chris and Wall, the iron match they put on on Raw. Yeah. That was awesome. That was a 30-minute Iron Man match they had on for, t- on, for free television. Uh, and that's always, that was always one thing written in, is that yeah, I mean, Triple it, H could never beat Chris Benoit. 
And it's true. He actually never did pin him or submit him. That's 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 an awesome choice um, for for a WrestleMania. Well, Kyle, what do you got in the tank? Let me hear let's, what you got. Let's hear a sensei Kyle on our wrestling sensei. knowledge. Listen, man, y'all put me on the spot with this one. Finish strong. Oh. Finish short. <laughs> no, we finish. Uh, to quote one of the Rock's old T-shirts, hit it hard. We're going to finish strong and hard here. Pause. Oh, man. That, that, that's the problem with picking just one match when you've been watching this this stuff since you were three years old. and you know, You've seen just about everything within your lifetime. And Ah, so many to pick from, um, but you know what I'm going to go with is going to be the biggest, the biggest drawing match of the Attitude Era, and only because it drew. Is it the best match? No, the best match is Bret and Austin at, at WrestleMania 13 submission match. The most important, yeah. biggest drawing match was Rock Austin 2 at Mania 17, and that's mm, what I'm. That's such a good match. Mm, He'll turn choice, aside. He'll turn aside, which Austin regrets. The build. Austin wins the Rumble. Rock wins the title at No Way Out. They're on the road to WrestleMania. The promos those two had themselves going in. And then you got the promo package with My Way by Limp Bizkit. Most people will, will say and agree it is the greatest promo package of all time leading up to a match because you had Limp Bizkit at their peak powers. Austin and Rock at their peak powers. The WWF at their peak powers. 60,000 Astrodome, Houston, Texas, Austin's hometown. It is, that, is that like the so the build to it also is like Vince putting uh, Austin's wife as the Rock's manager and then like uh, Angle trying mm. to like like destroy her leading into uh, Royal Rumble. Yes, and and uh, and Austin told the Rock and to quote Paul Heyman, if anything happens to my wife, it's your ass. I remember Angle putting her in the ankle lock, Austin running down, getting a hold of Angle, and then he stuns The Rock. And then there's the sit-down interview with JR, and the tension was it was amazing. Rock looked at Austin, and he said, you are going to get every ounce of sweat, every drop of blood, every ounce of energy. You're going to get the absolute best of The Rock at WrestleMania. And then, and this should have been a tell. Stone Cold is never the guy to say something along these lines, but he said, I need, I need to beat you, Rock. And when a man or a person needs to do something, they'll do anything. And that you got him back in the corner at that point. That should have been a telltale sign. He was desperate. And then he sided with Vince McMahon. The thing JR nobody said, thought would ever see happen. JR said yeah. Stone Cold has shake, is shaking hands with Satan himself. And because, you know, on uh in an in the announcing business in wrestling, everybody's got their guy, their their babyface they champion. Vince <laughs> champion, Shawn Michaels, and Gorilla Monsoon was a Hogan guy, and so on and so forth. But everybody knows Stone Cold is JR's guy. And listening to him, you would honestly think he was genuinely heartbroken in that moment. But he put on a masterclass of how to tell a story with emotion and calling the action, not just the moves, but, you know, pushing, getting the narrative across in that match. Stone Cold blew the roof off the Astrodome when he won, but then everybody was just shocked and upset that he ends the show with a heel turn. And he says what he should have done was was at while shaking Vince's hand, stunned him. And called it on the fly. He said that's what he should have done. But didn't. Um, but because that match 
was the biggest main event of the biggest and greatest WrestleMania of all time. That is my favorite match. Like, like, to be honest, I don't think I could, I could think of a bad spot in that match. No. Like, Austin how many... even broke out the old million-dollar dream uh, submission that he used when he debuted in the WWF as the ringmaster. It, and, yeah. How many rock bottoms? In, like, didn't, like, was it, like, rock hit, like, two, three rock bottoms? Don't go, like, two, three stunners? Like, it took a third it took a third stunner and a bunch of chair shots to his back. So like you could tell like again, just as those people don't know much that much, like usually when somebody hits a finisher, usually the match is over. But yeah, to see sure. both these guys hit multiple finishers and their match still not in mm-hmm. was huge. Yeah, because that's the kind of tool in wrestling storytelling that you want to save for matches like that. You don't just do it on a weekly basis. And oh, that's absolutely. what made that so special. And also, building up to this, this was a time where guys didn't use their opponent's finishers on them, but Austin, Rock Bottom Rock, and uh, and The Rock stunned Stone Cold and laid a beer right next to him in the ring. Um, and that was when The Rock said, your ball-headed double-stunted candy ass belongs to The Rock. You know, the, the the shit got personal, and I, I can just hear my way playing in my head. I, I can yes, I me too. Promo going right oh, yeah, now. I, I, I'm probably going to watch that promo here in a second after we're done. But like, and that's God. another thing we should discuss um, one day is favorite match promos. Mm, Bill. That's, oh, God. That's going to be so fucking hard. Like a singular entrance. Since you put us on the spot for one match, maybe throw out favorite wrestling entrance like one guy or one gal's entrance for one show whatever you know like undertaker Shawn michaels triple h you know those guys always have monster entrances and takers uh, mania i'll tell you guys what i'll tell you guys what mull that over and i'll tell you what we'll dress it next week we'll guys we're definitely going to talk about entrances at least and of course we'll always have our surprises for the rewind but hell of a segment this week Oh, hell yeah, this is a great this segment. Was, yeah, give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah! There it is. But folks, we are finally at the end of the day. We are finally at the end of the show. And we want to let you guys know, thank you for tuning in. And uh, guys, I know you had a hell of a time with us today. You got anything else to say before we depart? Wish us luck, K-Rob. Yeah, wish, us luck. Wish, wish, this, wish this man luck. He's getting married. Ah, that's a foregone conclusion. This man's been married. Just we, we, we still have. Doing it. Yeah, we're, we're getting ready to officially not do it now. But the biggest thing is we'll find out next week, guys, what's happening in the gaming challenge. And like I said, biggest thing, always remember, please kind and please always rewind. And we'll see, see you, you next all week. next week. Peace.